allowing people to have their freedom and their liberty to make decisions for themselves with minimum government intrusion, I think is the direction to go. Hello, everyone. I'm Brandon Lewis, founder of the Tennessee Conservative. Today, we are joined by Speaker Cameron Sexton. He is an eighth generation Tennessean and a University of Tennessee graduate and has served the citizens of Cumberland, Putnam, Van Buren counties for six terms in the General Assembly. Sexton has also served as the Republican Caucus Chairman, WHIP, and House Health Committee Chairman. Sexton and his wife, Lacey, live in Crossville, and they have three children, Greer, Olivia, and Nathaniel. The Sextons are active members of the Central Baptist Church and several other community organizations. Speaker Sexton is employed by One Bank of Tennessee, where he works in business development, and he also serves on the bank's board of directors. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to conservatives in Tennessee at such a pivotal time, buddy. I appreciate you being here. Oh, well, thank you. It's great to be here. Look forward to the conversation. Excellent. So let's get right into it. We've got a short period of time. The first thing I want to talk about, and McNally kind of got the business the other day at a conservative uh, meeting about this, is actually yesterday as I watched it, um, separation of powers. Uh, we have been in a perpetual state of emergency since March 12th, 2020. The governor has issued 84 executive orders. I assume that's the most in history. We're going to do an article on that. Recently, you called for a special session to rein in some of these out-of-control schools, some of which do not seem to be very interested in Lee's executive order, uh, we've learned recently, and health boards. Uh, and I think you helped Governor Lee do the right thing uh, a little earlier than he would have. But many feel just frankly that they've not been represented by the state Senate or the state House on really critical business killing freedom robbing things over the past uh, 18 months because of all these executive orders. When do you think uh, the legislature will get back to business as usual and, and be a co-equal branch of government again because Republican primary voters are begging for it? Well, I mean, we'd love to dig into a little bit more of, of your, your details on some of that that you, you mentioned. Um, what I will say is, you know, it, it, the legislative branch is made up of two bodies. And the way it works here is sometimes we pass bills on the House side and sometimes they don't on the Senate and vice versa. Um, and, and it takes uh, two bodies to pass the legislation. But, you know, the founders had the right system, legislative, judicial and executive and the three branches of government and what needs to happen. But we also have a republic. And so that means that people do get elected um, and, and they're the voice of their community. And not all communities agree on the direction all the time. Sometimes there's difference between rural and urban and suburban and so forth. Um, and, and so I think what you try to do is with the, the right leadership, you try your best to move people and get you into position that you think are conservative philosophies, conservative policies uh, to move our state. I think we've done very well over the years for fiscal policy, economic policy, business regulations, um, trying to get our state in position to be very successful. And I think we have. I think as conservatives, we can do a better job of implementing those same philosophies into the healthcare model, uh, into public assistance models, into the environment model, and really do more with our conservative philosophies and put them into other areas than just economic. Well, I agree. Um, and you know, I think that the House is probably the most conservative branch that we have right now of the Senate and the uh, executive, and I appreciate your leadership there. But to me, like, even if I were even if I loved everything he did, Governor Lee, I thought it was perfect, couldn't have been any better, I'd still be a little miffed 
that a lot of my, my power seemed to be, be taken away over the past 18 months. Uh, let's switch to the next thing, which I think is a big deal. As you know, we broke the story on this illegal immigration center that was placed in Chattanooga, Tennessee with zero community uh, discussion. Uh, I know that you and McNally both spoke out about that, um, and the governor had a different opinion about it. And um, now that you you had the guts, and I appreciate it very much to help uh, form that study committee, uh, but what I continue to hear all over uh, Tennessee from all kinds of constituents, because we have a very large list and it's growing all the time, is that people don't want illegal immigration studied. They want it stopped with legislation that makes Tennessee less appealing uh, from an employment standpoint and a benefit standpoint, because that really is the magnet. And if we can't turn the magnet off, we can't expect things to uh, change. I think recently I read in Chattanooga, Tennessee, uh, that we have, uh, versus the, the census last year, we have 80% more uh, Latino Americans, and I'm great to have them here, but that's probably not being driven by childbirth. Yeah, I could be crazy, but may maybe they're that prolific, but I don't think so. And so, you know, what do you think is going to come out of this study committee? Can we expect to see anything tangible or, or is it, you know, is this just something we're doing so that we look like we're doing something? Yeah, uh, but first, um, on the executive powers thing, the, the House, um, we had a study committee last year that looked at the executive powers with the Senate, and we actually did pass legislation in the House. We worked with the Senate, we worked with the administration, and we passed what we thought was a good bill. Uh, on the Senate side, they didn't pass it this year, so hopefully they might be able to do that next year. Um, but we are in the process of, of trying to do things on the House side. Uh, on the Chattanooga issue, you know, there's a couple issues you mentioned there. One is, is about what's happening in Chattanooga, which was sort of the same thing President Obama was doing under Governor Haslam, a little bit different because it was refugee children and not just uh, migrant children coming in. Um, but the federal government is sending people into our state a lot of times and they're not telling us where they're going or what they're doing or how many they are or what it looks like. In this instance in Chattanooga, we were able to actually uncover what it is because news media and other people were reporting when the buses were coming in, what they looked like. We found out where they were housing them in Chattanooga. And then all of a sudden, what you determined, too, is, is you had a lot of child abuse going on at that facility down there in the Chattanooga area. And the good news is the state shut down that facility. We haven't heard where they're going from there, but they can no longer take those children because of, of the child abuse. Part of what we try to do here is also understand issues. And I know people have a lot of varying opinions on what can and can't be done. Uh, sometimes the states can push back. Sometimes the state can't push back. But the one thing we do know is we have to figure out how to create standing in court to win lawsuits. Um, people file lawsuits all the time. And if they can't create standing, it gets thrown out in the beginning. I think we saw that with uh, the, the mass thing earlier on in Williamson County. That got thrown out because there was no standing. And so part of what this task is designed to do with this uh, ad hoc committee is, with Dan Howell being the chair, who I think has done a fabulous job of moving this committee. I think they have one more meeting. They brought in testimony, people from the federal government, people from ICE, uh, to kind of hear how we can deal with it how we can create standing. And so they're gonna send us a report on policies or directions that we can go, that they're in agreement on to try to solve that situation over time. Um, and so we're listening to the public um, and we're trying to move in that direction of, of trying to figure out how we can solve these issues. You know, you wanna talk about businesses and migrants coming in or illegals coming in. Um, you know, there's various topics surrounding that as well. We passed a long time ago, a bill um, on E-Verify. There's people who wanna move that requirement lower. Um, and so we're in conversations. That bill didn't make it through this year, um, but we're in conversations about how to, how to proceed, if there's a, a direction to go um, to, to try to put some, uh, the, to turn off the spigot a little bit.
Guys, if you like conservative news, you've got very little selection in the state of Tennessee. Only 7% of people in the media identified as Republican in 2016, the last time they did the study, which means there's probably fewer now. So every time you get news through a Tennessee broadsheet, it goes through the lens of liberalism, and what you're left with is a bunch of claptrap. So if you don't like that stuff, because I don't, uh, go to tennesseeconservativenews.com slash support. And if you give any amount, any amount, we will send you two proud Tennessee conservative bumper stickers. And if you get $50 or more, we will give you this leftist, I know this leftist tear tumble. That's what, what Brian or what Ben Shapiro says. We'll send you this proud Tennessee tumbler. And uh, if you put Boone's Farm into this, it comes out uh, a very nice aged Cabernet. It has magical properties. Uh, you can also keep it in your car. If you have to prop it up underneath the tire to change a tire, it's made of titanium uh, and reinforced steel. So you're going to love this puppy. Uh, $50 or more. We'll also send you this directory, which all of the state and local officials love. And if there's something coming down the, the pike and you don't agree with it, or if you want to give them encouragement, uh, we'll send that in the U.S. Postal Service. That's tennesseeconservativenews.com slash support, or hit the red button at the top of the homepage back to the questions. I agree we've got issues with, uh, I mean, we had some good legislation killed in committee this year, and most of the people that I've talked to, the NFIB, the Chamber of Commerce comes down and they're like, well, we don't want all this. And uh, and you've got some folks that are very hesitant to, to, to crack down on this, but there are communities um, all over Tennessee that are really suffering and illegal immigration is driving down wages and it's creating all kinds of other problems. And you know, most of the time you call them migrants, you call them refugees, but if they come to the country and if they don't show up to their court date, and even if they do show up to their court date, if they're never deported, and if they never go, they're just, the, the outcome is the same as illegal immigration. You can put a thousand different labels on it. And I think that's what a lot of conservatives get aggravated about. Uh, last one here. Kids in Tennessee schools used to read at grade level about 33% of the time. Now we're down to one in four. And mastery of reading is in the single digits. And they never report that for some reason. It's all about they're trying to get there. Uh, there are kids trapped in failing schools. I live in an area for 15 years in Chattanooga where I cannot send my daughters. I've not seen a school bus run in my district in 15 years in, in the little neighborhood I live in because people just move out of town because the schools are so bad. And most conservatives are, are disappointed that real school choice, not just for a select few, but for every Tennessean, is something that is hard to pass with the Republican supermajority, which really I think I, I think it's a shame. Uh, with everything happening now, how can we help our kids have choice and in, in, in a real bright future? Because I grew up dirt poor with a father that couldn't read and write. And putting kids in, that, that come from that type of home into an environment that's not much better is just very challenging. So what, what do you think we're going to see on that? Well, I think that to run off your numbers, um, you know, 10 years ago before Republicans could, took control, only a fourth of the kids could read and, and write proficiently at grade level. We moved that to a third. Um, we incorporated some literacy programs and uh, summer school programs this summer. We're hopeful to have the data from that to try to increase that because what we do know is last year with COVID, when you shut down the schools in these areas, your numbers, you had learning loss and our test scores went down instead of continuing to go up. I'm not sure that we've gone from a third to a fourth again, but we have had drops. But what I will tell you is there's still two school systems in our state that are driving down our numbers, right? A lot of them are doing pretty well. Some of them are doing great. Uh, but Davidson and Shelby County have driven down our numbers. That's why we passed municipal schools in Shelby County to give parents in Clarkville and Germantown the capability of setting up their own school systems because of how horrendous the school systems were. 
And so I think we we started looking at giving parents options, giving parents choices, but we also have to hold those two school districts accountable um, for the abysmal results that they're getting and that the parents are getting. And, and so all options should be on the table. And so we're gonna see what the Supreme Court decision comes out here on the voucher bill that the governor passed or ESA passed. We'll see what that looks like, uh, if they uphold it or don't, don't uphold it. But the problem that we have is we have school systems in our state, K through 12, that are varying degrees of, of good to bad to okay, that offer different classes. You can't take some classes in one school that may be offered across the state in another school district. And so we need to do a better job of aligning our K through 12 institutions. We need to do a better job of allowing people to take the classes that they wanna take, even if they're not offered at their school, that's part of uh, class choice is what I call it. And so I think there's a lot of opportunities there, but you also, what you need to have are parents who are wanting to be engaged and involved because what we've seen in Shelby County with charter schools, uh, nonprofit charter schools, is you take those same kids who are failing in Shelby County schools or in the city of Memphis, they don't have schools, but in the city schools, what you've seen when they go to the charter is they, their test scores have gone through the roof. Things have gotten better. They're going to college. They're wanting to become and do other things. So the situation is not so much uh, that the, the students aren't capable, that the families don't want it. It's the institutional function of that school system that is pushing down the level of lack of opportunity for those students, because when you put them somewhere else, they're successful and they're growing and they're prospering. And so I think there's a lot of conversations that we need to have about what direction we wanna go, about people having choice to do what they wanna do, but also putting in place that K through 12 school, just because you're in Shelby County or you're in Cumberland County where I live or in Henry County or in Johnson County in Upper East Tennessee, you should not be limited to the, the school system and to the classes where you live. You should have an opportunity to broaden your knowledge. And I think we're moving sort of in that direction, but it's going to take time. Well, we, we, we've never had a, uh, a more uh, probably painfully uh, obvious and awful experience than the last 18 months of how, I mean, it was already bad, but I think a lot of parents have been shaken by the lapels uh, that something needs to happen, and I appreciate everything that y'all are doing. Um, you have you've had a lot of courage to call this special session. Uh, I, I think if you had not done that, we would not have seen any action out of the governor. I appreciate that. Uh, I'll let you have the last word, and I want to let you know if you're going to do anything conservative, and you need help getting it out there, you're not going to get it from the Tennessean and the Knox News Sentinel. You're not going to get it from the Chattanooga Times Free Press. I can guarantee it. So if you'll come on here, we'll, if it's something conservative, we will cover it and be happy uh, to let folks know it and build support for it. Uh, so let you have the last word. Thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. I appreciate it. You know, I think allowing people to have their freedom and their liberty to make decisions for themselves with minimum government intrusion, I think is the direction to go. And I think what you've seen situation with school boards and stuff, uh, especially with federal government, with President Biden and what they're trying to push down to the states and the amount of money they're spending um, is causing us some great concern. And you don't want the public to move into a direction just to do something because the federal government says to tell you to do it or the state government tells you to do it. You still want to protect what our great grandparents fought for back in World War I, World War II, all the times throughout history to pervert, to preserve our Republic, to allow you to make the best decision for yourself and your family. And that's what this issue is about, about mass mandates. 
I'm not saying you shouldn't wear one or they're, they're bad or they're indifferent or anything of the nature, but it should be your choice as an American, as someone who's free to make that determination based on facts, not on fear being prescribed by the CDC and others, but allow you to make that decision. And that's what we're fighting for. Well, thank you so much, uh, Speaker Sexton. Uh, it, it's been awesome. And people are noticing that you're standing up and they are hungry for it. So thank you very much. Uh, I'm Brandon Lewis here with the Tennessee Conservative News. If you'd like to follow uh, this or other articles that we have, go to TennesseeConservativeNews.com and subscribe. Uh, Speaker Sexton, thank you. Until next time, I'm Brandon Lewis signing off.